when someone says, hey, are you doing this full time? I want to say, well, of course. Yeah. I mean, this is my full time job. But at the same time, I've learned, be honest and tell them up front, hey, I have a full time job, but I'm also putting full time hours into this. And I actually put in more hours than I do my full time job. A dollar and 49 cents for an entire year. That's a ridiculous deal. I actually had to double check to make sure. But yeah, that's what it is. You can get a Woodworkers Guild of America premium membership for $1.49 for the full year. Not every month, the full year. That's unlimited access to hundreds of step-by-step instructional woodworking videos, exclusive access to live-streamed events with expert woodworkers, and more. With new videos every week and an outrageously large back catalog, this membership has all your woodworking needs covered. It's an easy deal to get. All you need to do is use this link, go.wwgoa.com slash Ethan. A membership like this is normally $88 for the year, but don't worry, I got you the deal of a lifetime. Just use this link and your code is automatically applied. So go to go.wwgoa.com slash Ethan and see for yourself all the benefits you get with a premium guild membership. Last time, go.wwgoa.com slash Ethan for only $1.49. Enjoy! Introducing Astra HP, the newest high-performance innovation in cutting-edge technology from bits and bits. Let me tell you what's new about it. It's incredibly thin, measuring at just 0.3 microns. It's also tougher than ever with an impressive 5,000 Vickers hardness, and it's specially designed to reduce friction and heat buildup, leading to cleaner cuts and longer tool life. Available now on all their newest spiral CNC bits and router bits. So if you want to check it out yourself, go to bitsbits.com. That's B-I-T-S, B-I-T-S dot com. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Mike Anderson, owner of Anderson Woodworking. For some, their furniture business isn't their only job. Even though they put full-time hours into it, they still, for any number of reasons, keep their day job. Mike is in that position. He loves his furniture company, but he also loves his other job. So there is a balance that needs to be struck between two jobs, family needs, and not burning himself out. Follow along as we talk about when to find time in your day, understanding contracts before it's too late, the importance of mentorships for your business to grow, and much more. So let's start the episode and hear about Mike's story in his own words. I started back in high school with my woodworking uh, thoughts and career, I guess, if you will, with um, taking four classes in high school for woodworking um, and then becoming the teacher's pet, if you will, uh, and and uh, mentoring some of the kids in when I was graduating my senior year uh, and uh, teaching the, the grades lower than me and helping them out. So ended up working with them and couldn't get enough of it. So taking five classes in high school, I think is probably a record. <laughs> it sounds, it sounds like it could be a record five woodworking classes. You were basically running 
a furniture business in high school. And you said that you were teaching some of the other classes, the the younger kids. You were teaching what you were learning and you were mentoring them. And I know that mentoring is a big part of your life, reaching out to people in the wood industry, but also outside of the industry. And I want to talk about your journey into getting into your furniture business, but I think that this is a perfect way to jump into the importance of mentoring in your company. Yeah. So one thing that I've, I've learned over the years is that you can't surround yourself with enough people that um, have done it, have been there, or even some of those that um, you offer mentorship to them and, and helping them out. Uh, for me, a, a big thing is I've reached out to people within my circle, if you will, some that have um, built other businesses completely outside of woodworking. And, um, you know, some of their advice, you know, into this industry for me has been huge. Um, some some are in social networking. Some are within the community. As, as we all know, the community is huge. I like to post a lot in a local group of ours here in Minnesota. And... Um, you know, I get a lot of people that reach out to me and ask me for help and questions. And then the same thing for the return is I get to talk to them um, and let them know tips or tricks or whatever it is and say, hey, reach out to me. Like, I, I love reaching out to people, um, but don't hesitate to reach out to me because I'm I'm equally as happy to mentor someone that's just getting into it. Um, you'd be surprised how many people would really teach you things that you might not have known. Um, and that's, again, doesn't have to be woodworking. It can be outside of this uh, industry. Uh, but the things that you can learn from somebody mentoring them is uh, priceless to me. It goes both ways when you're talking with somebody because you have life experiences and business experiences and the person that you're talking to has life experiences and business experiences. And even if you're reaching out to them, they could still learn from you. So you always have to remember that it's a give and take and everybody wants to learn from everybody. And that's how you make everybody better. And this show is really about that. It's it's about people who are looking for information and people who are wanting to share information. And I get a lot of emails from people who have day jobs that they like and they don't want to get rid of necessarily right now, but they also love having a furniture company and they love building their furniture company. And eventually maybe they want to go full time, but right now they're in that in between and you are also in that in between. So you can really speak to the people who are reaching out and, and asking these questions because you do have a day job and you also have a successful furniture company business with clients and long wait lists. So let's talk about how you're balancing a full-time job and a full-time woodworking company. Yeah. So for me, um, yeah, I have a full-time job and I probably put equal amount of hours full-time or greater into this, this business. It's just something I love to do is work. But at my full-time job, I have a lot of people there that I've reached out to, and this can tie back to mentoring too, but the full-time job, I, I talk to a lot of people there and, and they give me a lot of insights of you know different things. I work for a bigger company, um, so I can ask them. They have no problems with me doing what I'm doing at home and doing my own woodworking business. So they, um, they treat me well when, it, hey, I got a question on this marketing thing, or I have a question on the sales thing, or how to uh, maybe introduce a new product. And uh, so I think I see a lot of value in still my full-time job. I love what I'm doing. Um, I, I work in the trade show industry where, um, 
you know, a lot of people don't know how to go to shows with woodworking stuff. So I've done a lot of smaller woodworking shows, craft shows and such. And it just, that background allows me to um, really set up a really nice booth. The first time I did a uh, a booth um, for myself at a local craft show, I killed it. And I don't know if it was because of my product or if it was just because I had a great presentation knowing what to do. But at the same time, uh, I'm, a, I'm a guy that loves to work with my hands. Being in the shop is allows me to get away from any stresses from the full-time job. And that's kind of where it started for me. For those that don't want to make a jump, you know, you don't have to just keep keep grinding. The 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 days and time will come. And i I definitely foresee that in my future, um, as long as I keep putting this hard work into it and and growing my my business in, in the realm of what I want to do. Growing it the way you want to grow it doesn't necessarily mean leaving your full-time job. You can be running both of those. Yes, it's hard and we can speak to how you're doing that, how you're you're running another full-time job and I know it's hard and but before we get into that, I want to go back to something you mentioned and it's also a question that I get a lot of when you have a full-time job but you also have a side business or running another furniture business, should I talk to my employer about that? Should I bring that up or should I keep that separate? And it seems like you have been reaching out and talking to people at your company about your other company. So that's been working well for you. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you're navigating your full-time and also talking about your other business? Yeah, for sure. So the the, the big thing for me when... Um, this all started, I mean, as we all know, the kind of the pandemic escalated things a little further and, you know, work from home. And, you know, I, I've been with that company for 10 plus years leading into the pandemic. So the big part of social media is I was friends with almost all of them. So they knew when I went home, it wasn't like, Hey, Mike, you know, you gotta, you gotta quit making all this stuff. You gotta be working at your full-time job. No, it it was more like, Hey, Mike, we're we're all good friends. You've networked with all of us. Make me something. And um, I think that was the big thing is everyone was so supportive. Keep doing it. Keep uh, keep building your business, man. We love seeing what you're doing. And um, I think that was the bigger motivation is just being upfront and and uh, talking to people about it. They saw it on social media and uh, the orders. I would say half or more of my orders in the beginning came from people that I worked with. And so they talked it up and, and little did I know, you know, with the 300 people I work with, I was a talk of the town for a year, you know, and, and I kept that relationship with all of them. And, uh, you know, that was starting with some smaller stuff. And now I've been, you know, kind of segue into building, you know, bigger furniture and tables and, and they, um, they certainly support me in that too. And I've sold quite a few tables and quite a few sets of furniture to the people that I work with. So uh, I think the big thing is, is just talk to them about it and let them know and prove prove that you're if you do work from home or if you are in the office, I mean, you're proving to them that you're still doing your full time job. You're getting your work done. And then at the same time, you go home and, and uh, you enjoy your furniture business and, and build uh, into the evening and into the night. And uh, I think that's what's made me so successful with juggling both of them. You did start out with cutting boards, like you said, and smaller items and more household items, but you've really moved into larger pieces. You've moved into large dining room tables and building bigger pieces of furniture. 
which makes you need to spend more time building things. It's a lot easier to find time for a cutting board than for a 10-person solid wood dining table. Let's get into how you're planning out your days when you actually have client projects, because I know that you do have a waiting list, and how you're developing your day to give your full time to your full time job, but also give time to the client work and the money that you're taking in. Sure. Yeah. So a big thing for me when I'm when I'm building tables, uh, for example, there's you know one sitting right here behind me on the wall where I've uh, I've prepped all the material. It's been face jointed, edge jointed, and sent through the planer. It's all flat, but it's it's not ready for glue up. But it's once I get to that time, you know, hey, evening, kids are in bed. I'm going to go jump out in the shop and, and do a glue up just before going to bed. Now I have a panel ready to go. So I might not get some of my tops glued or some of the pieces glued until evening when I know I have that time to be quiet in the house or whatever it might be. Um, but I'll also juggle, you know, if I'm, if I'm making a delivery and there's another table in the shop that needs a finish on it, um, I do, uh, I spray all my finishes. So I'll spray a finish before I leave. And then by the time I get back, it's, you know, the, the, the drying's done and, you know, I'll spray another coat and know that, uh, nobody was in the shop. I'm not kicking up any dust and, uh, you know, the finish is, you know, dried at that point. And so I do a lot of deliveries in the evenings if I can. Otherwise, Saturday and Sundays are my big days for deliveries. I usually will deliver free within a certain mileage of where I'm at. Um, sometimes that could be an hour and a half drive, depending on the size of the work. Um, so, you know, that's four hours out of your day. You know, I usually like to spend an hour with the customer while they, you know, enjoy their piece of furniture I just delivered. Um, but, you know, Saturday and Sundays are my days to deliver. Um, Saturday and Sundays, uh, I try to juggle my life. I, I have two kids and want to make sure that they get their time with their father, too. And, you know, it's taken a long time to kind of balance that life schedule with them and, uh, you know, two jobs at the same time. When you're having a conversation with a client and you start talking about lead times and you start talking about deliveries, when you're having those conversations, are you telling them that you are part time and that the lead time might be longer than, say, if you went with somebody who was only a furniture company? Or are you leaving that out and just saying, this is my lead time, take it or leave it? Yeah, so that's a good question because I... I struggle with that question sometimes, even for myself. Like when someone says, Hey, are you doing this full time? I want to say, Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, this is my full time job. But at the same time, I've learned be honest and tell them up front, Hey, I have a full time job, but I'm also putting full time hours into this. And I actually put in more hours than I do my full time job. And uh, make them understand that, like, Hey, this is, this is something serious to you. If you can tell them that you're not just doing this two hours a night you know, or in here and there, but tell them that you're putting in 50 to 60 hours as well, which might be a little crazy for some, but that's how much I enjoy what I do. Um, tell them that this isn't full time yet. And this is something that you are working towards to be full time in the future. But when it comes to lead times, I tell them I'm, I'm on average between 12 and 16 weeks out on my furniture builds. I usually will come in eight to 10 weeks and they are so excited to know that, hey, my, my table's done already, eight and 10 weeks, awesome. But I tell them, you know, there's been times where, you know, staining, you know, staining a top could be 
man, brings back a bad memory. But I had one that I had to redo like six times. It was like a dagger in my side. But, uh, you know, that took an extra two to three weeks of just kind of figuring out stain. There's a stain and finish issue. Well, it got me right into the middle of that window of, you know, 12 to 16. And they were still thrilled. So I always give them more time. Say, hey, 12 to 16 weeks, come in sooner so you're not stressing out about it. Building that wiggle room into any of your project deadlines can really save you on those hard ones. It can make your clients happy on the easy ones and can save you on the hard ones. For sure. That actually brings me to another topic that I was interested in talking with you about, and that's contracts and your policies for your clients with your builds. And on your website, you have all your policies listed out. And and I have to imagine if you have those policies on your website, then you probably have a pretty serious contract. You probably have something in place to protect yourself if things go wrong. So let's talk about your contracts and your policies and why they're important for you to have in place. Yeah. Fortunately for me, I've, I've learned through others, like how important contracts are kind of listening to other podcasts, listening to this one, this one uh, really had a few people in the beginning there kind of talk about contracts. And I know this kind of gets brought up a lot where, you know, Hey, cover your butt. There's going to be somebody that's going to come after you for some reason, why and how we don't know, but I fortunately wrote up a contract and it's, it's actually saved me a couple of times where people are like, Hey, you know, there's, there's something going on with this uh, tabletop or there's finish or whatever it was. And I'm like, you know, let's, let's talk this through. Let's see what you got going on here and, and come to find out that they had, you know, a temperature and humidity issue in their house where, you know, it was 20% moisture. Well, take a big tabletop with 20% moisture. It's not going to, uh, it's not going to fare well, uh, or humidity, I should say. And, um, so this contract helped me say, Hey, this is where I require, you know, a moisture level, humidity level in your house of 30% or greater. So it covers my butt, you know, in Minnesota, we're going to see a huge temperature swing, humidity swing from the summertime to the wintertime. And, um, I just want to make sure that if, if the client, understands, you know, written up in this, this contract, it's, it's, uh, it's important to you to run a, a good business. And I think it shows both things like you're serious, you're not some guy that's just around the corner. And um, it also protects you if something does come up. The contract is a hard conversation. But another hard conversation, as you know, and everybody else in the furniture business knows is pricing and figuring out your pricing. And it's even harder, I think, for people who are part-time because there is that ability to have a little bit more wiggle room because you do have another paycheck that's coming in. But you also don't want to be giving your stuff away for too cheap because if you do want to go full-time in the future, then you're never going to get a good gauge on if you can do that if you're not selling your furniture for an appropriate amount. So can you talk about your pricing and how you're dealing with that full-time, part-time, and also how you're pricing in general? Yeah. So in the very first table and bench set that I made, um, I think it was like 1200 bucks and it was made out of red oak. I mean, so it wasn't not, it's not like it was cheap. I delivered it and um, the lady gave me another $300 tip and she goes, you're not charging enough. (laughs) So I took that hint uh, and, and reevaluated how I was charging. But like, as you just said, the, the big thing for me is I had a full-time job or have a full-time job and um, pricing can be kind of tough because you're like, do I really need the money? I kept things a little low at the beginning, which, you know, 
I've, I've heard other reasons not to or, or to, but it was to build a portfolio. Um, it was to help build my website, really, to show people what I can do. Um, and then from there, each and every table build or quote, the price went up and it went up. And, you know, to be honest with you, a lot of my tables started out just table only, you know, in that 13 to $1,700 range. And it just kind of kept going up from there. The higher I've gone, the busier I've gotten, you know, so it, it shows when you're building quality work, you also have to have that price to go with it. So people trust your quality of work. So for me, um, I have a spreadsheet that I have built out in Excel that, um, you know, I, I type in, you know, my board fee cost, material needed. Um, I always add 20 to 30% of just uh, waste material, just to cover what I need. I've always found myself, hey, I need this many board feet. I always end up like one board short. So I always add a little bit more just because I'm picky on what uh, what may the top may be. If there's a knot or something that I don't want there, whatever. Um, and then I add in, you know, what my average hours are. You know, I pay myself an hourly rate um, on the spreadsheet and then I do a markup on that, uh, markup on my finish. And then I, I do a total, you know, markup on top of all of it once it's added together. I want to switch topics a little bit. And I know we've been talking about your day job in the abstract, but I want to go a little bit deeper on that. And you said something in the very beginning of this conversation, where when you started going to trade shows for yourself, your presentation, yes, your work was great, but your presentation really stood you above the rest. And your day job is in presenting and and along those lines. So you're a great person to talk with this about. When people are doing their own shows, either smaller markets or larger trade shows, what are some things that you've seen in your day job and also in your own business that can let you look better than your competition? Because the goal is always to look the best when you're in a large group of people who are doing the exact same thing as you. The big things for me is branding um, and and making sure they understand who you are first. You know, so um, I'll give two examples here. One, let's let's kind of look at like an outdoor venue where maybe you have like a 10 foot booth, um, a pop up tent. I invest into a, a really nice 10 foot tent. It's got your logos across the top and the, there's about a foot of you know, on these tents where it's a flat piece where you can really showcase custom tables, cutting boards, uh, outdoor furniture, um, serving trays, whatever it is that you're selling, you know, make sure that they understand like, hey, this guy's woodworking. This guy's got a, you know, branding and, and shows it off right away so they can see it from a distance, kind of lures them in. And then once they, you know, get up and close, uh, I, I invest into a backdrop where, you know, it shows again, you know, your logo and other things that you're capable of doing, but give yourself that premium feel and look so people kind of trust you and understand as well as going in, you know, inside in, in a bigger venue, let's say there's a trade show, you go inside that, uh, you get 20 feet of space or 10 feet space, whatever you, you plan on choosing, make sure you have enough backdrop and table drapes to really, uh, hide anything underneath. Don't make yourself look like a complete garage sale where there's, you know, stuff laying around underneath your tables, but use those table drapes to your advantage. We do that even on a big company, table drapes with your logo on it. Um, backdrop with your logo on it and really showcasing what you do. Give yourself a good look and um, and hide any stuff laying around. People want to talk to somebody that's got a clean and professional looking booth. 
What do you think is the one thing that somebody who wasn't in the trade show industry wouldn't know, but is the real game changer for for building out a booth? The best thing for me, you know, kind of insights with trade show booths and kind of building one out is um, understanding your product. I think more than anything, I think that's the big thing that we struggle with most is like how to show off your product and kind of going into you know, what do people want to know and see about your product? What brings them value of like, do they have to touch and feel the cutting board or can it just be in front? I think, I think the big thing is just kind of understanding your product, how to show it off. And then, you know, what kind of display are you going to make to, to, to elevate that? And what about load in? Because I'm somebody who has done a lot of trade shows in the past, a lot of big events at large venues that have a lot of a lot of rules and regulations in place and you don't think about it but it cuts into your time so much just having to figure out how to set things up efficiently and how to figure out exactly how you're going to do it is there anything about setup that you could share that you think people could have a good takeaway from yeah uh, the big thing for me you know with um our bigger booth assets for my day job is, is kind of crating up everything in order. Um, what I mean by that is like, sometimes you have tubs and you label out everything in each one of those tubs. And, uh, I kind of took that into what I do for, you know, this, these smaller craft shows, you know, if you're going to bring cutting boards to it, label it all, you know, end grain cutting boards on this one, here's your cheese slicers for that one, whatever it might be. And um, I think having them all organized in tubs and individual slots really helped me and speed up my process of knowing where everything is at. Have yourself a kit of whatever it might be that you'll see that you'll need at the show, whether it's I need a little sandpaper, if I need a little uh, mineral oil for cutting boards, if I need a little bit of finish, something got dinged or scratched, you know, things like that, bring them along with you and, and have a have a hardware kit that could help you out there from zip ties to rope to uh, scissors, knives, whatever it might be to, you know, a little maintenance on your booth, whatever, whatever you got to do. If it's a windy day and you got your backdrop blown in the wind, you zip tie it to your, uh, your um, tent, you know, just little things like that can go a long ways. Um, But as far as uh, creating up, having things organized is huge and having them labeled. I would say that's a big thing for us. We're going to bring it all the way back to the beginning and one of the first things we talked about in this episode, and that is mentorship and learning from somebody else and also giving information to other people. There are people who want to start a business and there are people who already have a business but are looking for a better way to do it. You as somebody who have talked with a lot of people in this industry and also outside of this industry to learn how to run a business better, but also as somebody who's done it themselves and has been successful at it so far, what's some advice that you could share with people who are looking to just run their business better? Yeah. So for me, when it comes to this mentorship thing, more than anything is I have one guy that I have known for years, um, he, he sits down with me once a month and we'll meet out at uh, a local caribou coffee. And it, it usually takes an hour, an hour and a half, and we just go through everything. How is business going? And um, really dive deep into like maybe what are my new ideas that I have or what are the things I want to jump into next? 
Um, there's been some great ideas that he's given me that he used to be in the jewelry business and, you know, higher dollar items aren't necessarily the easiest to sell, but how do you get them in there to, to push those items? Well, I see furniture kind of the same thing as a higher dollar, you know, piece of jewelry, you know, something you're going to have for a long time. And so he's, he's really taught me different marketing strategies and different things that can lead me to bring more people in. And uh, I call it the friends helping friends program, but you know, it's, it's a, um, it's a program where basically you can kind of take care of those who send people to you. I mean, it's, it's more like a, you know, a referral and if you will, but the big thing that goes with it is if somebody sends you some business, your direction, maybe you, you send them a cutting board, say, Hey, thanks. Thanks for the table order for this guy. And, and uh, everybody's happy at that point. You give them a little something as an incentive to send you your way. That cutting board didn't really cost you that much. Tricks that you get from him, you know, it's the same thing with jewelry for him. You know, he he would take care of somebody with something smaller and uh, sell something larger to the next guy. Friends helping friends. I love it. I, I would also say equal goes into it for me. I, I jump into uh, helping others so much and I, I truthfully love mentoring others. Um, and, and just give them tips and tricks myself. However, that looks, if they have questions on how they build a piece of furniture, Hey, I need some help on, you know, what's working for you in social media, giving that insight to others too, can really lead into some better ideas for what might work for you in the future too. Well, you have shared a lot and I know that you are willing to share more if people reach out. So I want to thank you for not only talking with me and sharing your insight into this industry, but also being open to continuously share with people who are looking to learn more. So thank you for your time and wishing you nothing but success moving forward in your business. Yeah, thanks, Ethan. It's been a lot of fun being on here and, and uh, I've enjoyed every, every minute of it and uh, keep up the good work. We enjoy what you're doing for all of us here. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you liked what you heard and you got value out of it, please think about leaving a review and subscribing wherever you listen. To learn more about the series, please visit buildingafurniturebrand.com and feel free to reach out anytime with questions or guest suggestions to hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can find me at The Build with Ethan on Instagram. Hope you enjoyed the show and can't wait to bring you the next one.